They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome here to Bible with the Barbers. Tuesday afternoon. So, we want to begin here with the Gospel of the Day. Yep. It's noon. Remind everybody to pray that Angelus every day. We, we acknowledge three times a day that the Word became flesh and dwelt yeah. among us. This is uh, the source of our salvation, Jesus Christ. So, we have the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. We're in the seventh. Excuse me, we're in the 16th week of ordinary time. We're in Matthew 12, 46 through 50. When, while Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak with him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, who is my brother, mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my heavenly Father is brother and sister and mother Mm. to me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus here, people are, you know, listening to him, and, and then somebody says, Your mother and brothers are here. Again, when they're speaking of brothers here, they're not speaking of blood brothers. The Blessed Virgin Mary was a virgin <laughs> before, during, and after birth. Yep. She had one biological child. That was Jesus Christ. The rest of us are all her children by adoption on the cross. Jesus gave her to us as, as a mother. But he's speaking to the crowds, and um, he wants them to understand something. The most important thing is not the physical relationship. The most important thing is the spiritual relationship. That doesn't mean you can just set, set aside physical relationships or deny them. You know, it's like physical realities. We can't just set them aside and deny them. You know, it's like there's no, Paul in one place says there's no longer male or female, slave or free, Greek or freedman. The deal is, it's not that there's no longer the biological reality or the physical reality in which we live. But we were made by God. We were made for God. We were made for union with God. And our first duty is to live that union with God, is to do the will of God. This is first and foremost, even in front of our family relationships. So if our family members are telling us we can't practice our faith, we have to say, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to beat you up because that wouldn't be charitable, but you're wrong, and I have to practice my faith. And if that means I have to move away from the family, sometimes we have to do that. Now, we want to try and maintain peace in the family. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to make our relationship with God a bone of contention. But here's the deal. And we can, I mean, we can do that. Some people, you know, they, they're like, oh, well, you have to pray the rosary. You wouldn't pray the rosary with me last night. You must be going to hell. Oh, you did this or that. You must be going to hell. It's like, no, 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 no. 
we need to fill our mind and hearts with the thoughts of God. How are we going to do that? Well, how did these people do this? The crowd was listening to Jesus. They're sitting at his feet, and they're receiving instruction from him. Do we read the gospel every day? Do we read the scriptures every day? Do we take time to turn off the radio and the television and to put aside our, oh, we like to know everything that's going on, right? I want to be up on current events. I want to be the one who knows everything. Well, are we willing to set all of that aside for a while in order to spend some time with our Lord, in order to get to know him? Do we spend time making adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? You know, these people came and they sat at Jesus' feet. Jesus is still with us. He's still Emmanuel. He's still God with us. He's still here in the Blessed Sacrament. So, so we want to remember, Jesus wasn't denigrating his mother by saying this. No. There was no one, absolutely no one, who heard the word of God better or kept it more faithfully than Mary. As a matter of fact, she heard it so well and kept it so faithfully that the word of God became flesh in her. In her womb, he took all of his DNA from her. He has no human father. He has Mary as his mother. So he took, she, there's no one, no one who kept the word of God more faithfully than her or listened more faithfully. Let it be done to me according to thy word. She wasn't telling God the way he should do things. Mm-hmm. She was following God where he led. And she was open to whatever was in God's plan. So this is what we want to be. This is the way we want to act. This is what we want to do. We want to be open to God's plan. And by doing so, that brings us into relationship with God. You know, it's interesting. Someone was discussing with me, you know, the whole idea of sin and forgiveness. And, you know, in order to have our sins forgiven, we have to have a firm purpose of amendment. We have to say, I want to give up this sin. You know, if we're saying, you know, hey, I kind of enjoy this. I'm not going to, why should I change? This is fun. Uh Uh-uh. We can't be forgiven for what we're not sorry for. And you know what? If you want to be sorry, but you don't really feel like you're sorry, then ask for the grace to want to want to be sorry. Okay? Ask for the grace to want to want to give up the evil and turn away from evil. Remember, we don't need anybody's help to do evil. It's easier for us to do evil than it is for us to do good because of concupiscence, because of the fall, because of original sin. But we can't do any good without God's help. And good is turning to God and being faithful to him Mm -hmm. and listening to his word. So we need to do this. We need to be like the people in the gospel who listen to his word. But we need to also be like the mother of God who pondered all these things and kept them in her heart. As a matter of fact, she pondered it before because she had pondered the Old Testament. She pondered the prophecies. And she pondered them so vividly that God came to her and said, I want to become human through you. So Jesus Christ came into the world through the Blessed Mother. He's not denigrating her here. She wasn't, he wasn't saying that she was not his mother. And he's not denying the biological relationship. But he's saying what makes Mary great is the reality of her relationship, her fidelity to God, her relationship with God, her fidelity to God, her faithfulness. I think of Pierre de Cassade's book, Abandonment to Divine Providence, while you were talking, and he says, holiness consists in one thing, 
complete loyalty to God's will. And I think of that when at the end of this gospel of Matthew says, for whatever, whoever does the will of my heavenly father is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Absolutely. And so this is the key. I joke, and then I'll throw it back to my wife, but I joke about songs they sing in heaven. Okay. I did it his way. Right. I did it God's way. Exactly. And you know why people go to hell? It's not because God wants them to go to hell. No, no. way. It's because they decide to not do God's will, but to do it their way. And there's a song they sing in hell. I did it my way. Right. And so this is very simplistic, I understand. But I like to tie this gospel into the Our Father also. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, thy will be done. If we do that every day when we wake up and we say God's will be done today, that's the attitude of gratitude. Amen. Amen. And part of it here, too, is, is not, you know, sometimes we look for God to do extraordinary things in our lives. We say, well, if God would just do this, or if he would just appear to me, or if I just have a vision. You know, visions and extraordinary things don't make saints. Nope. What makes saints is union with God. Amen. Is that willingness to live in union with God day in and day out. In the humdrum, in mm. the ordinary. Daily duties. You know, it, it, it's not, St. Bernadette of Subaru, you know, St. Bernadette Subaru mm. didn't become a saint because she saw the Blessed Mother at Lourdes. Bernadette was a prayerful girl who mm. suffered, by the way. She had asthma. She mm. suffered a lot. And, and then she continued. She didn't change. Mm. She was humble. The three children at Fatima, they didn't become saints because the Blessed Mother appeared to them. They were humble little children who, when the angel came and taught them, they started following the angel's instructions. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there were times when they slipped. You know, they, the angel had come to them and told them to pray and sacrifice, and they're out there playing their little games <laughs> another day when the angel's not there. And all of a sudden, the angel came and said, what are you doing? God has designs for mercy for you. Pray and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So it's this constant effort, this constant coming back to the Lord. And it is an arduous task. It's one of the things that sometimes we as Christians don't like about the Christian life, and that is the constant effort it requires. It takes effort, huh? Yeah, it takes effort. People say, what do you mean? I have to focus every thought on God? I have to do everything intentionally for the, for the glory of God? I have to think about what I'm doing? I can't just, I can't just mark time and kind of slide through life and... No. Well, Thomas Aquinas said, you want to be a saint? Will Will it. it. And here at Virgin Most Powerful, we have one goal in our lives, to get to heaven. Amen. And to bring as many souls as possible, and that's including you, our listener. Mary Danielle, um, when we come back from the break, we're going to continue with a Bible study on the Acts. But I want to encourage all of our listeners, especially dads, get your wife to come to the Women's Conference September 7th. It's coming up because it's going to be a great one. Not only if my wife's going to be speaking and Dr. Nicolosi, but we we're flying down Father Murr, who's a very holy priest. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it. So how mm-hmm. do you do it? Call 877-526-2151 to register or go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org under events. And there's lots of other events coming down, so mark your calendar, all right? Because we'd love to see you at the Spiritual Warfare Conference, the Liturgy Conference on the Eucharist, the Evangelization Conference. They're all coming your way with one purpose, <laughs> to help you get to heaven. Please You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. We'll be back with much more. after.
This is Terry Barber reminding you, there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity, be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you for being with us. So, last week we were doing um, chapter 11 of the Acts of the Apostles, and we talked about Peter having to justify his going into the house of a pagan and eating with him. Mm-hmm. And Peter had to explain that, uh, well, God baptized these people with the Holy Spirit before I poured water on them. So if yep. God's going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit, who am I to say otherwise? That's right. You know, again, doing the will of God. Peter Peter needed a little convincing, and God had to show him ahead of time. He prepared him, but mm-hmm. Peter did what the Lord had shown him to do. So then in chapter 19, we have the beginning of the church in Antioch. And what what happened was, when the persecution began under Paul of the church in Judea, many people went to other areas. In other words, this was, you know, granted, the persecution is, is a hard thing to bear, but it became the impetus to spread the gospel out beyond Judea. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the apostles were more than content for a while to just stay in Jerusalem and hang out there, you know, and <laughs> let's convert all the Jews. I mean, they were Jews. They wanted to convert all their people, and that's that was noble. Even Paul did. Paul said he would... You know, in one of his letters, he said, I could wish to be separated for Christ if it would cause the conversion of my people. Mm. He, he longed for the conversion of all of Judaism. And he pointed something out. He said, you know, if, the re- if, if Judaism's rejection, if Israel's rejection of the Messiah meant salvation for the Gentiles, mm-hmm. 
how much more grace will be poured out upon the world? And I'm paraphrasing here, but <clears throat> what what will it mean when Israel embraces Christ? Mm. We need to pray. We need to continue to pray for the conversion of all the Jews who don't know yet that their Messiah has come. Remember, you know, Catholicism and Christianity is not the repudiation of Judaism. It's its fulfillment. Exactly. So we want to pray and carry that on. Just a, a quick recommendation, what you're talking about, a book, Dr. Brant Petrie, yeah. The Jewish Roots of Catholicism. I think that's a, a good book for everybody to have yeah. to read to get that point across. Absolutely. It would be great. Brant Petrie, Scott, he's great. He's great. So we have here um, <clears throat> the people going to different places, and one of the places they go is Antioch. Mm-hmm. And um, in Antioch, the hand of the Lord was you know, with those who went to Antioch. The people in Antioch accept the gospel. And so the, the news gets back to Jerusalem that the people in Antioch are accepting the faith. They're accepting, but these aren't, these aren't Jews. These are, these are Greek-speaking people. These are pagan. Now, now remember, Peter's already been to Cornelius' house, the first pagan. So God has made it clear, yes, the pagans are welcome into my church. If mm-hmm. they accept the gospel, they, yes, you baptize them, and they're part of the, they become part of the church. So Barnabas is sent to Antioch, and um, he's, he's there, and he exhorts the people to remain faithful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Barnabas is described as a good man who was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It's a good description, isn't it? That is. What a, what a beautiful thing to be said about somebody, you know. The good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. She was a good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Please, mm-hmm. God. Please, God, that could be us. said of us. All you know? of us. That's what we're called yeah, to. Exactly. And so many were added to the Lord. Now, it's interesting. As in verse 25, Barnabas goes off to Tarsus to look to Paul. Remember after his conversion in Damascus, and then Barnabas had taken Paul up to Jerusalem to meet some of the apostles, but he didn't stay long. And um, it's Barnabas who has taken him in hand and said, yes, his conversion is real. Mm -hmm. But then Paul goes off to Tarsus to pray. And and tradition has it that that time that Paul spent in Tarsus was time spent with the Lord. The resurrected Lord appeared to him and instructed him in the gospel. And it's interesting because he'll say that later in his, um, when he's talking about the Last Supper, he said, I... What I have handed on to you, I receive from no man. Mm-hmm. And then he explains how Jesus institutes the Eucharist. And it's not different than the Gospel of Luke, um, but it's Paul received it not from the other apostles. He actually received it from the Lord. And when he goes up to Jerusalem after 14 years, he presents his Gospel, the Gospel as he's been preaching it, because he wants to make sure he hasn't run his course in vain. Hmm. So again, you may think you have a revelation from the Lord. You need to submit that revelation to the church, Amen. to the authority of the church. And that's what Paul did, mm-hmm. even though you know he was called directly by the Lord. And he was a priest, and he was a bishop, and he was able to ordain priests. So Paul, they go to look for Paul, and then Barnabas brings Saul, Paul. By the way, Jesus didn't change his name. He was... A Roman citizen. His Roman name was Paul. His Jewish name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was a you know he kept the law very yeah. very strictly. <laughs> he was a very disciplined man. And they come to he brings Saul back to Antioch. It's, now that the 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 gospel has spread, um, it, Barnabas recognizes the need. He's not going to be able to do everything that needs to be done on his own. Mm-hmm. So he goes to find Saul, and you know this was. 
Jesus had said that Saul would be the one who would bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So Barnabas goes and finds him. And for a whole year, they stay there in Antioch, and they meet with the Christians there. And this is where the, the disciples are called Christians for the first time. Well, this is interesting. What year is this? Eh, this is in the early 40s, maybe mid-40s, okay? And the apostles are called Christian. Who are they identified with? When other people look at the, the, the early church, mm-hmm. they identify the people with Christ. With Christ. It doesn't mean they're the Messiah. It means that they follow him and they look like him. And this is such a beautiful thing to be said. This is, you know, Christian. This is what does it mean? It means we're followers of Christ. Do we look like him? Do we behave like him? Do we think like him? Do we speak like him? And um, so that that was you know just the beautiful reality of the. Um, Saint Paul also says, "Be imitators of me, as I am imitators of Jesus." Right in the you know New Testament. Yeah. So yeah, that's our model, and that's right. what we try to follow. And Again, I think it's beautiful that as the church was being persecuted, it was growing. Yes. And I was told that the first 300 years, I read this, of persecution of the church, we were growing 20% every decade. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe, I'm just wondering if we're going to get back into a period where, perse- you know, because persecution in America, it's been a long time since Catholics were persecuted, not, not in our lifetime. Well, in the, in the, the, the persecution in America is interesting because it's very subtle. Yeah. The persecution in America is, is more been economic, and there were certain offices and yeah. places you couldn't go in society That's true. that were close to you if you were Catholic. Especially as a matter of fact, ago. Yeah, as a matter of fact, at the time of the Civil War, in order to get into West Point, you couldn't be Catholic. That's right. And if you wanted to get into the, the West Point, you had to renounce your faith. Yeah. So, and there were certain, you know, political offices that weren't open. And but what's interesting about it is, is that there there came this idea in America. There's Pope Leo the Thirteenth wrote a, uh, an encyclical mm-hmm. on the heresy of Americanism. You can read it. Just look it up. You look it up. It's incredible what was yeah. said there. And he basically what it was is this this idea that you can just fit in with society, and that you can be a Christian in a pluralistic society, and you don't stand out, and you're not different. That's not a Christian idea. Nope. In order to be Christian, you have to be like Christ, and people have to see that you're like Christ. And that, that's what makes you. It's not, it's not, oh, Christians aren't different. They're just forgiven. No, Christians are different because they're forgiven. And they become Christ to the world. They become the leaven in the world that draws the world to God. Remember in the Old Testament, when God raised up his people, his people were supposed to bring the pagans to God. And instead, when his people got in among the pagans, they started acting like the pagans. Well, that's why I asked the question to myself, who's influencing who in the culture that we're in? And I think it's pretty obvious that we Christians need to stand up now and influence the secular order and sanctify the temporal order. And that's what we're called to do. But I have to say, with some of the immoral things that the government is doing, whether it's abortion or on homosexuality, for us to stay quiet is not what God is calling us to do. I think what God is calling us to do is embrace Christianity to a point where it affects how we vote and what we say and do. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's like this priest in New York who was arrested for going into an abortion clinic. And what is he doing? He's tearing the place up and screaming and yelling. And 
No, nope. he's handing roses right. to the women there and saying there are alternatives. Mm. We can offer you a better, so- a, a real solution, a real solution, and 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 help you yep. in your crisis. We can help you through this crisis. Praise God. And hey, you know what? That's that's a crime punishable by arrest. And we interviewed <laughs> Father on the Terry and Jesse show. And next month, Father will be coming to Southern California, and we will have him live here at Virgin Most Powerful because. Danielle, I was impressed that this whole organization is willing to really lay down their their freedom right. for the unborn, and that's that's beautiful. And that's the reality is by doing that, we're witnessing to Christ, mm-hmm. we're witnessing to the dignity of the human person, which is why God became man. Sin degrades the human person. Yeah, when we sin, it degrades us as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's degrading to us, and God doesn't want us to be degraded. He doesn't want us to live in debauchery. No. And, and you know, it's not freedom to do whatever I want. The Ten Commandments, following the Ten Commandments, that's freedom. Yeah, that's what gives us freedom. Right. Yep. Otherwise, we're slaves of our passion. Even Jordan Peterson recognizes that. He's, and he's, he, he grew up Christian. He knows yeah. Christian roots. And um, not everything that he, not every author that he espouses is necessarily telling all the truth. But, but he recognizes something, mm-hmm. and that is that we have a dignity as human persons, so hold your head up high and put your shoulders back and stand up straight and live according to your dignity. Clean up your room. I love it. Why do you clean up your room? Because we don't live in a mess. We're not animals. We don't live in the dirt. We are human beings made in God's image, and we have to walk in that image. We have to walk with that dignity. And this is what the apostles did. And people noticed the difference. They especially noticed the way the Christians loved one another. Amen. And so they were called Christian because they were following Christ. And why? Because Christ loved, and he loved to the point where he was willing to die. And these Christians were willing to die for what they were preaching. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why the faith grew so fast, because they hadn't seen that before, especially when people who were disabled uh, by body parts or anything, and nobody would take care of them before Christianity came right. along. Right. And we would pick these people up and care for them and yeah. show because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right, and that's it. We this is what Christ did, and this is what we have to do. And so, the Christian, the name Christian, mm-hmm. means that we're willing to follow Christ even to the cross. And it's, wow. and that's that's not just you know not all of us are necessarily going to be crucified or die, die martyrs. But there's that white martyrdom of the constant effort we make every day not to give in to the secular society. We have to be different. We have to be a leaven in society that teaches society there's something beyond this world that we're striving for. We're striving for union with God. You know what? You can't put God under a microscope. You can't measure him. You can't, you know, limit him. God is God and we are not. And we have to we have to understand that we're made for union with him and we have to draw other people by our lives, by the joy that we experience in our union with God, which we won't experience if we don't have that union. That's why I have that comment where, is there enough evidence to convict you in court (laughs) of being a follower of Jesus Christ? Good question. We come back, we'll continue. I get my wife a little fired up sometimes. These are the conversations we have at home. We might as well, we're sharing with you what we do in the evenings, talking about God on Virgin Most Powerful with His Holy Bible. We'll be back in a moment.
This is Terry Barber reminding you, there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity, be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent real estate for life.org 877-LIFE-US-1 This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So, in chapter 20, in verse 27 of chapter 11, we have a mention of a prophet. He came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and he prophesied that there was going to be a great famine. And so, what's interesting. This, this particular famine did happen. This is just a historical fact. It was there. It was a reality. It occurred under Claudius. And um, it affected not just Judea, but it affected Rome, and it affected some other areas, Syria. And, um, but Antioch was, was experiencing great prosperity. So here, because of the persecution, you know, in the province of God, you know, the persecution of Stephen had sent these people down to Antioch, and now this famine is coming up, and God had already prepared. He had prepared that there would be people in Antioch who had embraced the gospel, and now they would have the means to send relief to those in Jerusalem who were suffering from the famine. Mm-hmm. So they sent, they take up a, a collection, and they send it by the way of um, the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And they send that up there. It's um, the first mention here in the Acts of the Apostles of a prophet. So not only were there prophets in the Old Testament, but in the early church there were prophets. But the prophets didn't have the first office. The first office was apostle. And then the prophets. So um, again, everything, Jesus set up his church. The church wasn't invented. It just didn't, 
come out of human experience or human need. You know, it, it, Jesus Christ himself established his church. And it he, was willed by God. It's willed by God, and, and he willed mm. that there be a pope That's right. and bishops and priests. Mm. Just, as it, just like in the Old Testament, you had the priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood, you had the high priest. Mm. And, and, of course, the high priest's office wasn't permanent, but in the New Testament, Jesus sets up the office of the papacy. He sets up Peter, mm-hmm. and that was the Lord's will. So he provided ahead of time, and that's, do we trust God to provide for us? And so oftentimes I, I think we get caught up. We think that we're going to rely on our material goods, on the things of this world, and that you know, if I just save enough money, if I just have the right investments, if I have enough land, if I have enough um, material goods, then I don't have to worry. Remember what, in you know, in the... In the gospel, the rich man who had all his fields and he had a great harvest. And instead of giving any to the poor, he said, oh, I know what I'll do. I don't even have a place. My harvest is so great. I don't even have a place to store all this. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my store bins and make bigger ones Mm -hmm. so I can store all of this. And what does the Lord say to him? This very night. This very night, your life will be required of you. We don't know if we have tomorrow. So take the opportunity today to share with those who don't have enough. Thank God for what you have. And St. Paul said your, your giving shouldn't impoverish you. But we should always be able to give, even from our want, you know, so that others can have enough. And in chapter 12, we get what? Well, now Paul's not around persecuting the early church, so guess what? <laughs> Herod, the king, and this is, not, this is not the Herod who was present at the time of Jesus. This is not the Herod who was present at the death of Jesus. This is the grandson, mm. okay? He lays hands on the church, and he does violence to the church. And he kills James, the brother of John, the brother of the Lord. Well, James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, excuse me. And he has him put to death, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, the Jews are really pleased. By the way, Herod wasn't really a Jew, but you know what? He was practicing the Jewish faith very um, stringently because he wanted to make brownie points. He was a very, um, this particular Herod was a very ambitious man, and Mm. he wanted to expand his territory. So he was doing the kind of things that he needed to do to expand his territory. He was even, he even got in good with Claudius, the the Mm. Roman emperor, so that Claudius did give him rule over more territory. So he he kills James, the brother of John, that would be the son of Zebedee. And since it pleased the Jews, he puts Peter under arrest. So how do the people react? They go out into the street and protest. How dare you do this? How could you do You got to let him go. Don't you know? No, actually, that's not how the early church reacted. So Peter's in prison. And what do we have here? Um, and the people are protesting and violently rioting in the streets. No, that's actually not what it says. It says, but earnest prayer was made to God by the church mm. on Peter's behalf. And we have a... Um, we have a little commentary here on this. Notice the feeling of the faithful toward their pastors. They do not riot or rebel. They have recourse to prayer, which can solve all problems. They do not say to themselves, we do not count. There is no point in our praying for him. Their love led them to pray, and they did not think along those lines of not praying. Have you noticed what these persecutors did without intending to? They intended to destroy the church, right? Well, what happened in response? Mm. 
they made their victims more determined to stand the test and the faithful more zealous in loving. Is that how we respond? Are we more determined to stand the test because of the confusion, confusing times we live in or because of the way that certain government officials act in our country? Are we more faithful and more zealous in our prayer life? This is what we need to do. We need to increase that prayer life. So the church is offering up prayer for Peter. And it's interesting. Um, St. Luke's gospel um, reports the words in the gospel of Luke. He reports the words about perseverance and prayer. And here he stresses that God listens to the whole community's prayer for Peter. So Herod had his plans. He was going to make brownie points with all of the people he wanted to make brownie points with by killing Peter. And so the church in the meantime is fervently praying for Peter. And what happens during the night, and you got to love this, you, you got to read it. It's, it's, it's uh, Acts 12, 6 through, um, well, um, it, it, the whole incident goes on to about, um, about chapter, about, excuse me, verse 17. But Peter's in prison. They have him under four squads of soldiers and they have him chained. Okay, Peter doesn't, he's not carrying a sword anymore, remember? Not an armed man, but he's got four squads of soldiers to guard him and he's chained up. Well, in the middle of the night, an angel appears in the cell and he's got to, he's got to wake Peter up. He strikes him on the side, he wakes him up. And then the chains fall off of Peter and Peter, he doesn't do anything. He's just standing there and the angel says, get dressed, Peter. Oh, okay. So he gets dressed. Put on your sandals, Peter. And he puts on his sandals. Put on your cloak, Peter. Wrap it about you. And it's like the angel is having to tell every step to take. And then he takes him by the hand and he leads him out. Mm-hmm. And the gates open and Peter's out in the street. And it's not until he's out in the streets and the angel disappears that he realizes he just thought he was having a vision or seeing a dream or something. He yeah. didn't realize it was real. And then he realized it's real. So where does he go? Now, this is the middle of the night. Okay, he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name is Mark. John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, whose mother's name is Mary. And that's where he goes. And of course, he's got to wake everybody up, right? Well, that's interesting. He comes to the gate and one of the servants hears somebody knocking at the gate and goes and she hears his voice and she recognizes that it's Peter's voice. And her name was Rhoda. And Rhoda gets so excited that she runs back to the people. What people? Mm -hmm. The people in the house are awake. What are they doing? They're praying. Mm -hmm. This is the church gathered in prayer. It's the middle of the night. They're holding a vigil. Wow. Where do we get the idea of all night vigils? Here you go. The church held all night vigils to pray for great need. And so they were praying. And Rhoda says, Peter's at the gate. You're crazy. It's his angel. No, no, he really is. So she has all the people following poor Peter. He's still standing outside. He's still knocking. You know, she hasn't let him in, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so excited. And so they let him in, and then they realize. They realize that God has said, no, we're not going to let Herod have his plan. He's going to fail. He doesn't get to put you to death right now. This isn't the time. Mm-hmm. And so God has rescued Peter from the hands of Herod. And so, um, and he explains, he explains to the people how the Lord let him out of prison. And then, but he doesn't stick around. He doesn't stay in Jerusalem. Mm 
He tells them to tell James and the brethren. So not everybody's there right then. But there are a lot of Christians gathered in prayer holding vigil. The church is offering up earnest prayer. And when you do all night vigils, you have to take shifts. We're human. We're not angels. We do have a body. We need to rest. But you take shifts. You take, you know, this person comes now and this person comes later. And and we, we you know, it's not possible for everybody to stay up all night and all day for days on end. So you take shifts and you pray through the day and through the night. So the ones who pray all day, they rest at night. And the ones who prayed all night rest during the day. It's okay. So, so Peter, um, so in the, in the daytime, when the soldiers come to find Peter in the prison, he's gone. And guess what? <laughs> Herod wasn't very happy. And guess what happened to those soldiers who were on guard that night? They all died. Herod put them to death. Mm-hmm. You didn't fall asleep on the job. Well, it wasn't that they fell asleep on the job. God delivered Peter from Herod's hands. And so he put to death those, those soldiers who had been assigned to um, guard Peter. And Peter actually went down to Caesarea. He didn't stick around in Jerusalem. He knew Herod would be looking for him. <clears throat> so, But I, I want to point this out because of the times that we're living in. Are we offering up fervent prayer for our Holy Father, for our priests, for our bishops, or are we just criticizing and complaining about the situation in the church? We need to really pray. Today is the Feast of St. Bridget of Sweden, and Monsignor pointed something out. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time of St. Bridget of Sweden, the popes were in Avignon, France. Yep. But she didn't say anything publicly. She wrote letters mm-hmm. to the pope, and she actually convinced it was blessed was Pope Blessed, um, I want to say Herman, is that right? Could be. Anyway, he's a blessed, and he was convinced that she was right and that he should return to Rome. So he went back to Rome. But when he got to Rome, he found the situation in Rome so lawless and disordered that he couldn't live there. So we'll have to continue this after the break. And don't forget, we do have prayer services in the evening on Thursdays from 7 to 9 to do exactly what Mary Danielle was asking about praying at church. And Saturday mornings from 6.30 in the morning to 8, virtual prayers from the Radiant Chapel, the Sacred Heart Chapel. We'll be back with much more on Virgin of the Most Powerful. Terry Barber reminding you, there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity, be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151.
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. This is our last segment here today. This time goes so fast. I'm so glad you tuned in. Thank you for listening. If anyone wants to make a donation, you can call that 877-526-2151 number. And uh, anybody has a question, they can call 888-526-2151. So we have here now, um, I was, we were talking before the break about St. Bridget of Sweden, and the deal was <clears throat> she, she wrote private letters to the Pope, and she actually convinced him that he needed to go back to, to Rome. But when he got there, he found the conditions in Rome so abysmal and so lawless that he couldn't live there. So he went back to Avignon. And it would be later on when God would raise up St. Catherine of Siena, and St. Catherine of Siena would be the instrument that God would send. He would actually literally send her to tell the Pope he needed to return to Rome. And Pope St. Urban would return to, the, to Rome, and the papacy would return to, to Rome. That's where the Lord wanted it. Um, you might ask why it's there and why. Well, you, if you want to know, you've got to ask God. <laughs> go, to, go to God in prayer and say, okay, Lord, what, what's the deal here? Why is it that uh, you, want, you want the papacy to be in Rome? Because that's, you know, that's God's doing, not ours. So um, we, we, we want to pray, but the, the point here is we want to pray diligently for our Holy Father. We want to pray for our priests and our bishops. Are we offering fervent prayer? Or are we allowing ourselves to be, to be dragged down by the culture and we're just looking for entertainment? We're just looking for our comfort and our ease. We're just looking for distraction, Life is not about being distracted, and it's not about entertainment, by the way. Um, we don't need entertainment. We need recreation, recreation. We need a time to step aside from the duties of our state in life in terms of being able to take time, first of all, with the Lord in prayer to rebuild us. You know, when you're working, when you're serving, you become, you, you empty yourself out, you're pouring yourself out. So you need to be constantly filled, but we're supposed to be pouring ourselves out. And in that, in doing that, we're supposed to actually be living images of Christ. And it's Christ that we're supposed to be pouring out into others. And we can't pour Christ out into others if we don't have him. So we need to spend time in prayer and a little recreation is fine. I'm not saying you can't have recreation, but you don't need to be entertained. Okay, and if you're going to be entertained, I remember my mother always used to tell us, she said, look, don't don't just sit there and listen to somebody else's music. You want music? Make your own music. You want to see a play? Put on a play. You know, be a part of it. Make the, this is what they did. My mother grew up in the country, up in Minnesota, you know, and occasionally, I mean, the the farmers, they worked hard and they didn't have a lot of of free time, but every once in a while they'd get together and, you know, the the men would all bring out the ones who could play a musical instrument and the women who could, and they would bring out their guitars and their violins and whatever, and they'd have a barn dance and they would, they would, you have a little recreation, but a little recreation goes a long way, but you know, a, a local thing. 
It's not, you know, unfortunately what we do is we make our entertainers into little gods, which by the way, we want to get to the next section of this gospel here about making human beings little tin gods. This is a very dangerous thing. We don't want to do that. We want God to be God because God is God. And when we start making human beings God or let him let human beings take the place of God in our life, it's very bad for them and it's very bad for us. Okay? Because it's not true. It's a lie. And what's interesting here, this Herod, this particular Herod that's spoken about here, um, they had they had some, I guess he'd had some kind of a tiff with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And so the people of Tyre and Sidon came to you know, what are the terms of peace? We want peace with you. We don't want you to persecute us anymore. We don't want to have a hard time with you. And so they talked to his chamberlain, Herod's chamberlain, Blastus. And so in the meantime, they set up these games. And so Herod comes out, It's in the, and Josephus describes this. This is co- corroborated by history. Herod comes out. It's in the morning. The sun, he's dressed regally and royally, and the sun is glinting off his robes, and there's this silver hue, and it's just... He looks um, impressive. And then he speaks to the people, and the people say, the voice of a God and not, a, not of man. Well, what's interesting is Herod doesn't reprimand them. Herod likes this. Oh, so now I'm your God. This is good. This is good. No, it's not good. This is really bad. And what's interesting here, it says that God immediately smote him. Now, he didn't die right there on the spot, Okay. But at that time, Herod became extremely ill. He got, as a matter of fact, at that moment when he allowed the people to acclaim him as God and he didn't renounce that acclamation, he started experiencing severe stomach pains. Within five days, Herod was dead. We're not God. No human being on this earth is God. By the way, the devil is not God. The devil is only a creature. He's a fallen angel who rebelled against God. And anyone who rebels against God will end up where the devil is unless they repent. The angels, if they make a choice, their choice is eternal because of the way they know. So when the devil rejected God, that choice is eternal. We human beings, because we come to know in a different way than the angels do, we have a chance to repent of our sins. Thank God. Okay? And remember, mercy and justice in God are not separate attributes, okay? Mercy and justice in God are the same, all right? His justice is merciful, but his mercy is just. He's not going to get us all into heaven in the end. If we reject him, he will respect that choice for all eternity. That's a frightening reality. We need to think about that. And ask God for the grace that we never do reject him. Remember, he paid a terrible price. You think hell is not real? If hell is not real and people don't really go there, what did Jesus do this for? This is the greatest proof that there's a hell. That Jesus Christ died on the cross to spare us from going to hell. There must be something very real and very terrible from which he wished to spare us in order that he would suffer this much. This is also the greatest manifestation of the love of heaven, isn't it? The mercy of God. I will forgive you anything if you will humble yourself and turn to me and ask for forgiveness, if you will acknowledge your need. But remember, part of being forgiven for our sins, we need to make a firm purpose of amendment. And unfortunately, a lot of times we just kind of... 
you know, think, oh, well, tomorrow, tomorrow. You know what? We may not have tomorrow. We need to repent of our sins today. We need to go to confession now. Make an appointment today to go to confession. Get there as soon as possible. Most parishes say you can go anytime by appointment. So call a priest and say, I want to go to confession. If you haven't been to confession in a month or more, if you haven't been to confession, don't wait to go at Christmas and Easter only. No, we need to go frequently and regularly. How can we fall in love with God if we don't spend time with him? And how can we spend time with him if we're not living in the state of grace? Grace is God's life in our soul. When we commit mortal sin, it drives God's life out of our soul. We need to live in grace. And this is what Herod allowed these people to acclaim him as a God. And isn't this what we do with our entertainers? You know, the way we follow their lives, the way we look at them, the way we want to follow them, that's not real life. The movies, the television, the news, that's not real life. The news isn't reporting real life. The news is reporting propaganda. And the movies and the, and the TV shows are also giving us a lot of propaganda, and so is the music. You know, have you noticed the progression of the music? I'm old enough to have noticed something, you know. In the 1950s and 60s, when I talked about a song where this person loves me, you know, I'm going to the chapel and we're going to get married, you know. She's going to marry me, you know. Ain't that great? You know, she, she said she'd marry me. We're going to be wed, you know. Awesome, you know. Reality, you know, and then you get wed and then the babies come and, oh, this is great. And then we got from the point that, oh, yeah, oh, I love her, so I'm going to live with her. You know, and now it's not even that. Now it's like, well, you make me feel good, so just make me feel good for right now. But this is just for right now. The progression in the message. People were being boiled one degree at a time. Do we realize it? We're not gods. We can't decide what's right and wrong on our own. God gave us Ten Commandments not to limit our freedom. He gave us Ten Commandments to make us free. Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And no slave has a permanent place in his father's household, Jesus says in the gospel. Anyone who sins is a slave of sin, and no slave has a permanent place in the father's household. So let's get rid of the sin. Let's turn back to God. Go to confession. Start making holy hours. We need to pray for the church and the world. We need to pray for the conversion of sinners. You know, me first. I'm, I'm the first person who needs to be converted. Pray for me that I will be faithful to the Lord. And let's pray for each other that we will be faithful to the Lord and that we won't get this idea in our head that, oh, I'm so important and people are listening to me and isn't that wonderful? And, oh my gosh, I must be so important because people are listening. No, if, if you're not hearing Christ, if you're not seeing Christ, then I'm in the way and God may have to remove me. This is about coming to the Lord Jesus knowing the height and length and breadth and depth of the love that God has poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God will punish our sins. That's part of his justice. It's also part of his mercy. It's not merciful to say to someone, oh, well, you know, so, you know, you, you like go around killing people. Well, isn't that nice? I'll let you go around killing people. If that's what makes you happy, that's fine. You like to go around punching people in the face and breaking their noses. You know, oh, gee, isn't that nice? You know, you like to go around stealing what doesn't belong to you, including maybe your neighbor's wife, but it makes me feel good, you know? My wife isn't so good, you know? I want somebody else. I want I want another person. And say, no, be faithful to the Lord, and you have the grace to do this. God gives us this grace. Yes, God calls us to the impossible, but you know what? He gives us the grace to do the impossible. God is with us. He hasn't left us, and we have his grace. 
So Herod goofed. He goofed and, and he died because of it. Within five days, he was dead, eaten up by worms, the scripture says. So <clears throat> we need to make sure that we are living faithful to the Lord, that we day by day are striving to live in union with God. <clears throat> and so now the Acts of the Apostles is going to take a turn here. Not a turn away from God, <laughs> but a turn away from Jerusalem. Herod has died. The, the people, the, you know, the, church, the um, leaders of the Jews have pretty much rejected the Christian faith. And so Paul and Barnabas now will start their missionary journeys. And John Mark will be with them at first. And so next week when we come back, we're going to be at what's called part three of the Acts of the Apostles. And it's the spread of the church among the Gentiles and the missionary journeys of St. Paul. That's a chapter starting in chapter 13. But let's turn to the Lord fervently and diligently every day. Ask for the grace of final perseverance. Go to confession. Go to daily mass if you can do that, if your duties allow. But if not, send your angel and read the readings of the day. Spend time with our Lord in prayer every single day. Read some of the scriptures every day. If nothing else, look up the readings for the daily mass online. You can look them up and read those and think about them and pray about them. Fill our minds and hearts with the thoughts of God, with the word of God, his scripture, and invite Jesus into our heart as our Lord and Savior and into our, our lives as the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, he's there to feed our souls and our bodies. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, Grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin most powerful radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.